So I just wanted to introduce myself. My name's Shell Harmon and I'm one of the leaders of Proximity Church in Stamford. Um, yeah, so I've been married for, for nearly five years to Christy and we live in Corringham. You are actually in my home right now and you're very, very welcome to, to be here. And um, yeah, you might have picked up from my accent that I'm not actually from around here. I'm from somewhere that I like to call the centre of the universe. In fact, it is the centre of the UK. It's none other than Birmingham itself. And what I want to do is I just want to take you back um, to my childhood in the land of Brum, the land of the free. Um, and uh, yeah, my husband's gonna show you a photo now, should come up um, on the screen. So this, now you are in a bit of a privileged position because there's not many people I would let um, see pictures of me as a child, mainly because I probably weigh as much as I do now as I did then. My mom said it was all breast milk, but I just think I was really greedy. But this photo here is, what you'll see is that I am actually in the driving seat. Now this is a metaphor for my life, number one, but two, um, that that I, from a very young and early age, had a fascination with cars. I loved cars. And when my mum used to drop me off at playgroup, she would say that I wouldn't even look back behind her, I wouldn't hold her, I wouldn't give say goodbye, I would be straight in there, and I'd be elbowing little kids out the way until I got to the play car, sat in there, and I didn't move from that all day. So my mum and dad, they thought, right, we've got to do something about this, we, so we'll buy her a car and then she'll get used to it. But it didn't matter, my fascination and desire for cars um, only got stronger. So the next photo you're gonna see is me as probably about a seven or eight year old, and um, I've upgraded my car now um, to a go-kart and I loved this thing so much. I probably spent longer um, than I care to, to share with you, years and years of playing um, in this go-kart, driving it up and down our road, driving it in the garden um, and uh, yeah so yeah just my fascination did not dwindle in terms of cars and loving and just longing to drive and when I couldn't be in the go-kart you can ask my parents, they might be even be listening right now. I would go to just sit in the, the front seats of the cars and would literally pretend to drive for hours and hours. One time, um, maybe my early adolescence there, 12, 13, I've been a good child, I went with my mum shopping. Um, obviously I didn't go with her into the shop. I let her do that and I waited in the car. And there was just something within me that thought, this is the time that I'm gonna try um, and you know, I've been practicing for so long, pretending for so long, I've seen my mum drive, I think I can do it. So I decided this was the moment to turn the ignition. And as soon as I did, what I didn't know anything about was that if a car's in gear, obviously it's gonna stall when you hit that ignition. So I bunny hopped the car into a wall and I cracked the, the front of the bonnet there. And um, I'm not sure even my dad to this day knows that. If you're listening, dad, it's an old car now. It's long gone, so don't worry about it. Um, and then fast forward a few more years to my, uh, to my when I was about 16 and I managed to persuade my youth leader at the time that I was, this was my moment, I'd be ready. She could take me to an empty car park and I'd do it, I'd be amazing. Um, so. She said yes, and this. So I got into the, the the driving seat, turned the engine. This time I knew, but what a biting point was. I'm in first. Now I'm in second, and this has to be one of the best moments of my life. Cruising in second gear, loving life, and suddenly it dawned on me. I actually don't know how to stop this car. Do you take all your feet off the pedals and put them all on the brake? Do you put your foot on the clutch and the brake? 
all these things are going through my mind and all I'm thinking is there's a wall come in and I just turned the screen wheel and I took all my feet off the pedals and now you can imagine massive um, impact into a wall we, we actually like did all this kind of thing um, uh, 800 pounds later thank you Bex for that opportunity and sorry mum and dad for the uh, wound in your wallet at the time why do I share these embarrassing stories well because all my childhood and into my adolescence I could not wait to drive I could not wait to get behind a wheel it was like my whole uh, early life all I was dreaming of was getting behind a wheel and and driving off into the distance and it's like I always knew that that was my destiny that I was made to drive that I could one day realize that dream of getting um, and driving and, and uh, here is a picture of my very first car you'll see it's complete we with granny cushions and I don't care what you say about it I loved this I thought it was a beast even if if <laughs> it used to go backwards down hills at the time so what I want to just home in on that story and we'll return to it is that just that sense of expectation and anticipation that one day I will drive and I got these glimpses and these moments and um, throughout my childhood and adolescence of one of what it would be like to drive and um, but it wasn't quite there. It was now and it was not yet. I had a bit of a now when I had that toy car, when I got the go-kart, when I got behind and went into second gear. I had a glimpse of what it could be, but it wasn't in its fullest. Um, we are at a time where the whole world is shaken. There isn't, I would dare to say there, is a, there isn't a soul on planet Earth that has not been affected by the coronavirus. Um, and even if you remember before coronavirus, Pete Greggs gave us a, uh, there was a talk that we were listening to at the time where he was speaking about how actually there were these waves going around um, before, before COVID even hit. Greta Thunberg speaking to the UN, rallying nations and leaders to climate change. We were brought to our knees thinking of what could happen in the coming years if we don't change our habits. We had the floods in the UK that were um, destroying livelihoods, homes, streets, neighbourhoods, if you remember those. We had the fires in Australia that were raging and destroying farms and wastelands and homes and, and even lives. Um, we had, um, there, was, there was horrendous um, institutions that were brought to their knees through sex scandals. There was Hollywood with Harvey Weinstein and politicians and even sadly in the church, these waves of shocks that we're sending through um, are things that we were holding dear to and, and that were strong uh, towers in our society. And then COVID hits. We've been in lockdown for three months and more recently we've had this this other wave that's hit us in the in the wake of George Floyd's death and his face representing thousands and thousands of others that have suffered um, under racial oppression. This is heavy, weighty, real, raw stuff that is happening right now and if you're affected I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised if you're affected. Our economy has never been, um, well, I'm sure it has, but our economy right now is shaking. There are things that we've put our trust in. There's these things that we thought were secure, comforts that we thought we'd always have that are now being shaken to the core. We are being shaken to the core. And to use a theological um, understanding of this, we could look at Romans 8 where it says, the whole of creation is groaning and longing for its liberation. 
peoples, the planet, crying out for salvation. There must be more. Surely there must be more. N.T. Wright um, encourages Christians and the church that our vocation is to go to places of pain with a message of hope of a new created order. Do you know this is the, the crux of what it means to be a Christian is that we know it was never meant to be like this. We know that God has a plan, a rescue plan, a new world, a new created order. If you think of Eden where everything was perfect and you just, when I think of Eden, I think of the birds singing and I think of pinks and greens and yellows and just amazing, vibrant colors. God walking with man, the fullness and the wholeness and the holiness of all created order. And we as Christians know that that is being restored. But what happens when the world shakes like now? What happens when pain is being heard in our streets and in our nations? What happens when people are losing their jobs and their livelihoods? What happens when the pain is so hard? What do we do with that? In Romans 8, um, it, uh, yeah, N.T. Wright compares it to, it's almost like the whole world is in tiptoe anticipation and expectation. We live in the tension of, yeah, we know that there's going to be a future glory where one day there'll be no more tears and pain and death and hurting and sickness. And yet we live in this reality. It's that tension. Um, he, in Romans, we have it compared to, it's like um, the pain that we feel and the pain that is so tangible right now. It's like a mother giving birth, the pain that makes you groan from within, but also the hope of what's coming and what's been born out of those moments. In the deepest places of pain in the world right now, we can have the richest sense of God's liberation and the hope break out. In the deepest pain, we can have the fullest hope. I want to speak this morning um, of the place of the church in the ruins. We've just come off the back of an amazing prayer time, uh, prayer week, sorry, and, and the whole of our um, the prayer week has been based on this sense of hopeful rebuilding, of a church being called to stand in the ruins and take the rubble, take what's been shaken and use it to, to build something of significance. So I want to talk about hope today. I want to talk about healing today. But what we have to recognise is the signs of the time. Daniel Strickland says that this is a now moment. She talks about Matthew 16 when Jesus chastises the Gentiles and they, he says, you, can, you know by the weather whether it's going to be sunny or rainy and yet you can't read the signs of the times. They couldn't understand that Jesus was before them and perhaps this is a moment. That's what Daniel Strickland would say. She'd say this is a now moment. This is a moment where the pain is so rich and yet hope can come and yet new creation, all of um, yeah, restoration, the rebirth, the rebuilding of what God created. This could be that moment, a great awakening. When a building shakes, it's not actually the bricks that you need to be worried about. It's the very foundations on which that building is built. So in this time of worldwide shaking, we the church need to focus on our foundations. What is it that you have built your life on? What is it that you're putting your everything on now? Alan Emerson, another leader within the 24-7 movement says, there comes a point for every Christian where they have to stake their life, 
their everything on the promises of God. Either he's the saviour of the world or he isn't. Either, um, either life as we know it has eternal significance or it's total rubbish. Either there is an end to suffering or we worship a really cruel God. This is a moment for us all to wake up and ask ourselves in the light of Jesus, what and who are we living for? There's another time in the Bible where the earth shook and where darkness descended. And that's when Jesus died on the cross. We read about it. There was an earthquake and the darkness came and even the um, centurions around the cross was recognised the now moment that was before them. I just want to tell a brief story of, of the resurrected Jesus. We find this um, in John 20, 16. Um, we've read it as a house church, Monday house church recently. And I was just really struck by this. So Mary, the, the lady who poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, who knew exactly who he was. Mary, who had literally given everything, given years of wages to Jesus, given her whole life, her whole livelihood, everything, pinned on this man who then was pinned on a cross and died. So Mary is feeling completely hopeless and empty and there's a silence and she goes to the grave because she wants to see his face one more time. I'm sure we can understand that, that level of, of grief. And so Mary goes to the, the, the grave and what does she find? She finds it empty and then she discovers there's these two angels there. Now when you hear about angel interactions in the Bible, what you recognise is that people are petrified when they see angels. And the angels have to say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't worry, don't worry. Mary is so overcome by her grief, she hasn't got time to be petrified. She just says, where's the body? Where have you put it? And then she turns around and she sees a gardener and she says, where's the body? Where have you put Jesus? And then out of that desperation and devastation, she hears the name, her name being called out, Mary. And in that moment, I can just imagine that where there was darkness, suddenly there's light. Where there was pain, suddenly there's this sense of holiness and wholeness. I really feel like there's a, there's, a, um, there's a call right now, there's our first foundation to build our lives on, is that personal invitation of Jesus to be called into him and to lean into him in this time of pain, in this time of shaking, in this time of darkness. There's a call of Jesus, a personal call where he says your name, he says Andy, he says John, he says, Ruti. He says, Debbie. He's calling out to you in this time to lean into him in new ways, to discover things about him that you would never have known had you not have gone through this time before. There's a depth to be discovered. Our first foundation is this personal call to relationship and tending to our relationship with Jesus. So let's keep the fire burning. In this moment, let's keep the fire of our faith burning. I'm encouraged Proximity Church because we have just come through a prayer week where we had nearly 200 logins to our collective worship and prayer times, let alone your individual slots. I'm encouraged because we're at a time where we're, we're meeting more than ever before as house churches. 
I'm encouraged because I see a hunger within you. And I just want to say to you, go for it. Keep on running that good race. Keep on seeking Jesus. There's such a depth of relationship and love and um, discovery to have with Jesus in this time. The second uh, foundation I want us to look at is um, in this time of disruption and uncertainty. I want to ask you, what are you putting your hope in? What are you putting your hope in? For me, when lockdown first hit, it wasn't the first week or the second week, it was the moment that thing, people were being put on furlough and suddenly I'm confronted with my comfort being shaken. I realised that perhaps I was putting my hope in material things, in security as opposed to Jesus. In the Bible, there's, in the Old Testament, there's two ways that we can understand hope. Firstly, there's the Yahal, and secondly, there's the Kavar. Now, Yahal is like um, when the floods came and Noah was in his ark, and he was he was Yahalin for the rains to stop and the sun to come. So there's that sense of hoping in something, and then we have the Kavar hope. Now, Kavar comes from the word Kav, and Kav was a piece of rope. And what kavar is, so kav rope, kavar is this sense of the rope being pulled so tight and so tense that you think it's gonna break. You hope with that such expectation and anticipation of, of something that it's, it's so tight like that. You can kavar for the things of God. And so N.T. Wright, he mentions this sense of tiptoe anticipation expectation that's the hope that we can have but what is Christian hope it's not pie in the sky we've just shared that the the world has never felt pain like this before we've just shared that there's sufferings that are coming to the fore foundations that are being rocking what is Christian hope because the pain is real so surely there has to be a, a hope that's even more real our Christian hope is yes our salvation we are captives to sin. We do things that are wrong time and time again. And what Jesus did on the cross when he died and rose again was he defeated death itself. That we can be free and without blemish. We can be restored in our souls. But salvation is so much more than that. In the, in the New Testament, salvation is understood in one way, it's, it's understood as sozo. And this is a word that describes how God is making us holy, without blemish, but also God is making us whole. It's a spiritual salvation, but it's a physical salvation as well. And it's not just for us in the church. Salvation, the sozo of, um, that God is talking about in the New Testament, that's all created order. That's what we um, talk about in Colossians, of all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe coming together in vibrant harmony. Another way that um, the New Testament talks about salvation is soteria, which means deliverance from danger into wholeness. That's the hope we bring. That's the hope that we hold on to. That's the longing of creation to be restored back to its holiness, to be restored back to its wholeness. We believe as Christians what is now will not always be. That in every soul 
created, every being, that creation itself can be brought into wholeness, completion, perfection, just like in Eden. And you know, we believe that there's a trace of Eden in every single person, in every single living thing, in all of creation, there's the traces of Eden. We can stand in the deepest of pains and in the darkest of places because we know God has a rescue plan. There will be a day where there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more captivity to sin, no more death, no more sickness. God is restoring. God is rebuilding. God is renewing. Now we live in that state of kava, where you you feel like it's going to break, it's going to break. We hope and we long, but what we, uh, what the reality is, God's kingdom is breaking in. Alan Emerson describes hope as something that is subtly that subtly grows within us. It's like. Um, when you have the curtains drawn and light starts to stream in the warmth and the light of the sun. This is what the hope that we longing, longed for, that one day the sun will shine forever and there'll be no more dark nights of the soul. So we as Christians need to, in this time, tend to our relationship with Jesus. We need to hold on to hope, a real tangible hope. And the third thing that I want us to look at in this time of shaking is, um, is, is this sense that we need to, to clear the ground, to clear the rubble, to make way for God's healing. What are we building? It struck me as utterly mind-blowing that the things that we can build in partnership with God can last till eternity. Literally, there are kingdom things that you can put your hand to that you'll see again in eternity. So what does God's kingdom look like on earth as it is in heaven? What are those breakthrough moments? What does it look like to see and to touch and to taste that the Lord is good? I prayed with Femi this week um, during prayer week and I asked her, so Femi, what's been your response to all that's going on? How are you praying? I wanted to be inspired by her and, and I was. She says, you know, the thing I've been praying for most is healing. Healing, you know, and we can apply that to so much, can't we? We can apply that to the COVID crisis. We can, we can ask for God's healing in, in the racial injustices that are, that are so, um, that are being brought to the fore right now. The Hebrew word for healing is raphai, which means to repair, to rebuild, to restore, to make beautiful. I love that. I love that. My encouragement to you is how can you pray and live in such a way to make this world beautiful, to make this world a better place to be. That's the healing that God promises us. Sally reminded me that at the start of lockdown we started to pray out of um, 2 Chronicles 7.14 For if my people are called by my name, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways and pray, then I, the Lord, will heal their land. When we prayed that at the start of lockdown, did we imagine the, the world events um, around George Floyd's death? Probably not. But what I see 
perhaps is the answers to our prayer. God, would you heal our land? And he's bringing the voice of the oppressed with a microphone, with a speakerphone right now. I, whatever your thoughts are about these statues that are being pulled down, um, whatever your, your reflections are on that, for me, what I, what I see in, my, in, the, in the spiritual sense, what I see is strongholds coming down. When we pray for healing, things that are oppressive, things that are unjust, things that are wrong, that bring separation and segregation, and um, yeah, just, th just that sense of being apart. When we pray for healing, things that need to be uh, hum humbled will be brought down and those that need to be brought up, the oppressed will be brought up. When we pray for healing, perhaps it looks like what's going on in the land right now. In the 24-7 prayer network, um, you would hear this phrase a lot. Pray like it all depends on God and act like it all depends on you. When we pray for healing, do not be surprised when God says, come on then, come on then, bring that healing. When we pray, we're invited to act. God doesn't leave us um, you know, in this world as we hope for it and as we pray for healing. He doesn't leave us abandoned on our own. No, when Jesus left, he said, I'm sending another to you, the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit in us, that hope of glory that brings the healing. So we, yeah, just to be a spirit-filled people as we seek the healing of our land, as we, as we seek the presence of God like never before. So where there are the darkest of places, where there are the deepest of pains, that's where you'll find Jesus. That's where you'll find hope break out. That's where you'll find the renewal and the restoration of all things. That's where you'll find the making beautiful. Salvation is so much more than our souls being saved. The kingdom of God is so much more than a place that we'll go to when we die. This moment is so much more than a moment. So what are you living for? In this time of shaking, can you hear the personal call of Jesus calling out to you? Through the uncertainty, would you let him hold you? Would you let him love you? Would you let him heal you? Would you let him teach you new things? And then would you dare to let hope rise in your heart, the kavar of God rising up in you? And would you let it fill you with a sense of anticipation and expectation that God will and that God is bringing all things into his vibrant harmonies? And would you um, accept that invitation to pray for healing, but be a part of that healing in the world today? Could we see these wastelands become beautiful places where God's kingdom flourishes and thrives? What are you spending your life on? What are you building your life on in these moments? So I've got three ways that I want us to respond um, now in our, in our groups, um, or if you're at home listening to this, just three questions that I want you to, to reflect on. The first is, where do you feel most that you most identify in these areas? Is it that you need to that you need to hear this personal call of Jesus? Is it that you need to be filled with a new hope? 
Is it that you need to start clearing the ground and praying for healing and being willing to participate in that? So that's the first question. The second question is, where have you seen personally God's kingdom break out in these last few months? You know, I spoke about in the beginning that story of me driving. There was these moments where I got a glimpse of what it would be to drive. Where are the glimpses of God's kingdom that you've seen break out in these last few months? And the third thing is, where do you long to see God's kingdom? Where are you longing to see healing and liberation and salvation in all creation? And how can you start building towards that? Okay, so that's it. Thank you very much for listening and um, be blessed, guys.